let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, you might not think of Northern Virginia as a data center hub, but it is. And it's possible it'll expand even more in the coming year, but not if residents have their say. WAMU's Margaret Barthel is here to tell us why it's such a big deal. Oh, and after the interview, lead producer Priyanka Tilve will be joining us for a conversation sponsored by Food and Friends about their slice-of-life pie sale. Stick around for a mouth-watering conversation. Today's Thursday, November 2nd. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC is talking about. So, Margaret, there's a new proposal to build 30 million square foot data centers in Northern Virginia. Virginia happens to be a hub for data centers already, but it's causing a bit of a stink, especially for something that a lot of folks, myself included, might not even really know what a data center is. So what is this project and why are folks so upset about it? Yeah, this is a huge industry in Northern Virginia. More than 70% of the world's internet traffic runs through Northern Virginia. So, and they run through these big warehouse type buildings called data centers. They have lots of servers and computer equipment in them. It's kind of like the physical infrastructure that stores your cat videos and stuff like that. And these are also big business. Um, They account for a growing piece of revenue for um, several Northern Virginia jurisdictions, um, particularly in Loudoun County and Prince William County. And there is a new proposal to build even more of them (laughs) um, in Prince William County. It's called the Prince William County digital gateway. So one of the reasons why folks are so up in arms is the location of these data centers. What's going on there? Yeah, and I think the sort of broader context here, again, is there's a high demand industry, and there's also a lot of demand for land in Northern Virginia. It's not an infinite commodity, um, if you think about it that way. And yeah, so the location of the Digital Gateway would be on about a little over 2,000 um, acres, essentially adjacent to uh, Manassas Battlefield um, National Park, honoring a Civil War battle. And it's also located in uh, Prince William County. Rural Crescent, which is an area that the county in sort of previous comprehensive plans and things have really tried to preserve the sort of rural character. So given that there used to be a battlefield there, is there a potential for these data centers like going up on unmarked graves? Yes, there actually is. In fact, several superintendents of uh, Manassas Battlefield with the National Park Service have all offered some real concern about the project. Um, One of his predecessors called it the uh, most significant threat to the battlefield in decades. And the superintendent, Christopher Butcher, wrote a letter talking about the wholesale destruction of Civil War graves. Now, I just want to be clear, the battle 
battlefield itself is still protected land that is National Park Service land. So we're not talking about building data centers there. We're talking about adjacent to in like plots adjacent to um, the battlefield. Those have historical value too. So for instance, uh, there's some evidence that suggests that some of the um, area that part of the digital gateway is the site of a Confederate army camp where there was a serious measles outbreak. And so there are likely unmarked graves there as a result of people burying people who got sick and died in that outbreak. So there's some real concern about that and people who are worried that constructing these things would sort of steamroll over that history. Wow. I mean, people have very strong feelings about these data centers. And I know that you talked about their size. Since they're so massive, I imagine they probably take up a ton of energy. What does that mean for folks in the area and their access to energy and electricity? Yes, you are absolutely right. They take up a lot of energy. If you think about it, you know, giant warehouse full of computer equipment, it stands to reason that this thing would be consuming a lot of energy. And the industry groups say that data centers could double Virginia's peak energy demand through 2038. So that's huge. I mean, (laughs) it's kind of hard to overstate how big that is. And there's also some kind of emerging concerns even now that hooking up more data centers to the grid could make the the grid a bit unstable. Back in the spring, state authorities had actually considered allowing Loudoun County and some Prince William County data centers to use backup diesel generators um, that they have on site during times of high peak demand on the grid in the summer when everybody's using their air conditioning. Now, they didn't actually end up doing that. The state ultimately didn't move forward with that. But I think a lot of opponents to data centers kind of point to that, an indication that this is an industry that like we sort of need to take a step back here and really examine, you know, what is this doing to um, energy demand in the region? Demand for data centers is only expected to continue getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, We (laughs) saw a big boost in that demand during the pandemic when everybody was terminally online. And now with things like artificial intelligence, the kind of development of AI that is expected to take up a lot of real estate in data centers in the future. So nobody that I've talked to has really suggested that demand could be cooling for more of these. You mentioned that some of the opponents are concerned about is that with how large these data centers are, it can make the electricity or the grid unstable. So I just wanted to clarify that. Does that mean like if you live in Northern Virginia, your power might go out more or like your power might become more unreliable? Like what does that actually look like? Yeah. So I don't think anyone is is sort of automatically going to like People in Northern Virginia are not going to have reliable power and electricity. I don't think that that is the issue here. Um, It's these times of sort of peak demand, um, like I was talking about um, in terms of those like summer days when everybody has their AC on and everybody's using a lot of electricity that way. And then you've got the data center demand on top of that. And, you know, there is a bit of a question of like, okay, so like, where is that electricity going to come from? Like, how are we going to produce it? <laughs> and that's why there was that question about what, whether they, they should allow data centers to use their generators as a backup. 
what ultimately the the sort of actual impact of what happened in in the spring when they were considering that is actually that they just didn't hook up some data. It sort of slowed the timeline of new data centers getting hooked up to the grid. And so that was sort of the actual impact of that situation. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree. That's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So you've given me a pretty clear picture of who is against this. You know, some of the residents and uh, the National Park Service. Are there folks who are for these data centers? Absolutely. There are a lot of people who are for them. I think it's important to think about how much money this represents to localities, both in terms of companies investing in um, creating data centers and like the jobs that that, the construction jobs that that creates and so forth. And then also on the revenue side. So how much money do these data centers owe to localities and taxes? Uh, So I'll just give you a couple of numbers there. According to some folks at George Mason that I've talked to, the companies, the data center companies invested about $125 billion into Virginia as of 2021. So that's big. Amazon alone estimated that it paid about $334 million in taxes to Virginia. And Loudoun County, which has the largest um, concentration of data centers in the world, gets an enormous amount of its budget from um, data centers on the order of $500 or $600 million in revenue every year. And we're talking about a county that (laughs) has experienced some of the biggest population growth in Virginia as a whole in the last decade or so. That means that they need to provide more services for more people. And that usually means higher residential taxes. But 
um, localities like data centers in large part because they help them offset some of those residential taxes with commercial revenue. You can still have great services in Loudoun County, but you don't have to pay, you don't have to keep on increasing the tax burden. So that's kind of one of the main arguments for data centers. Um, you know, I think another is that a lot of people feel that the desire to hold on to um, rural land in the sort of exurbs of Northern Virginia is kind of an already lost cause. They sort of say that, you know, the region is expanding, it's going to keep expanding. Um, and why would we sort of try to hold on to this past where this was all farmland? So there is that angle as well. That's interesting. Is, is there any concern about environmental impact that these centers might have? Definitely. Between that and electricity, I would say those are some of the main concerns that opponents to data centers really bring up. And that is that there are questions about how this kind of particularly like rapid growth in the industry could affect things like stormwater runoff and other issues kind of around you're replacing agricultural or rural land with industrial uses, right? So anytime that that happens, you have to think about things like what What's the impact going to be on wildlife, on what happens with stormwater? Where does it run into? Does it have contaminants or pollutants of, of, of some sort? And so one of the main sort of issues in Prince William that people are really pushing for more study on is what the impact could be to um, the Occoquan River um, and that watershed gives drinking water to about 800,000 people in Fairfax and Prince William counties. And so there's some real concern there, including from the Fairfax Water Authority, just about what do we know about what a giant project like this could mean for that drinking water supply. So what is the timeline for this particular project? Yeah, so the digital gateway, we're kind of in the final consideration. The county supervisors are currently examining proposals from data center companies to build the digital gateway um, to take the land that they have rezoned for data center development and actually make it into data centers. And they're expected to vote on that. There's been some sort of political wrangling over when that would happen, but it looks like at this point, the latest reporting that I've seen suggests that it would be in December. Margaret, thanks for being here. And listeners, hang around. Maybe grab a baked good for this next segment, which is sponsored by Food and Friends. Lead producer Priyanka Tilve is chatting with the people behind Slice of Life, an annual pie sale where the proceeds help feed local families. Hey, I'm Priyanka Tilve here with Katrina Mathis, the Food and Friends Director of Volunteer Services, and Jenna Huntsberger, who owns the award-winning bakery Whisked by Jenna. So, Katrina, we're here to talk about Slice of Life, which is the annual pie sale by your organization, Food and Friends. I believe you're trying to sell 6,000 pies by November 15th. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, oh my we gosh. We definitely love selling pies. We hope you buy one. I mean, it's pie season. You do not have to convince me. But I hear that this initiative is about more than just delicious desserts. It is. So what we do every year is 
we give people, as I say, an opportunity to do something sweet and get something sweet in return. We have clients that we serve throughout the DMV who are battling serious illnesses. And we sell these pies so that we can fund our mission, so that we can make things happen. We do everything we do free of charge. And what we do is provide medically tailored meals to our neighbors throughout the DMV who are battling chronic illnesses. And having this pie fundraiser every year is a great way to get the people in the community involved in helping us to give back. The cost of one pie covers the cost of meals for a client for one day. So again, as I said, it's a great way to do something sweet and get something sweet in return. There are a couple of ways that you can do it. You can create your own pie team and you can sell pies and you can help us raise those dollars. Or you can find a team or an individual that you want to support or you can buy pies. You are helping us provide meals for a client for one day. The cost of one pie does that. But then the other thing you can do is on Thanksgiving Day, we are going to be delivering 4,500 meals to 900 families because we want our clients, regardless of the illness that they are facing, we want them to be able to gather around their table with their family and friends, just like we do, and have a great meal. Let me also add that we will be supplying 1,800 pies to our clients. So if you want to buy a client pie, if you don't want to have a pie for yourself, if you're not going to be in town for Thanksgiving, you can buy a pie for a client and that will go a long way. Yeah, I want to hear more about these pies. Jenna, what makes these pies special? How are they different from, you know, like random pies that most of us usually grab from the grocery store, like last minute, desperately the night before Thanksgiving? Well, our pies are made by our team of expert bakers, and they really are made by hand. We're making our own pie crust. You know, we're pressing it ourselves. We're making fillings. We're using the best ingredients that we can possibly source. We are baking them to perfection, and we're packaging them up for our client. So yeah, it's just a very high quality, very like labor intensive pie that is much more similar to something that you would make at home, you know, for your own Thanksgiving feast uh, that you can get from us. That sounds amazing. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of great work. But Katrina, I know that this is all part of Food and Friends' larger goals year round. So how many people does the organization help every year? Well, on average, we we have about 2,000 clients at a time. And uh, those clients can go up to about 4,000 clients during the year. It really just depends on how long a client is with us. Clients can be on service as little as three months, uh, up to nine months, or even a few years. It really just depends on the client and what their ailment is. And in addition to providing meals for our clients, we also provide meals for up to four dependents in a household. There is no income eligibility with us. What our clients have to do is really demonstrate a need through their healthy nutrition. And if we believe that food can either improve or manage their ailment, then we can take them on as a client. So for people, I always say, you know, if you're not going to be able to come in and volunteer, buy a pie. But even if you buy a pie, please come in and volunteer Mm -hmm. because it takes all of us to help ensure that our clients have the food that they need. Yeah. How can people who are listening sign up to be part of Slice of Life, Jenna. So go to sliceoflifedc.org and select your pickup site and you can buy pies through November 15th. Katrina Mathis and Jenna Huntsberger, thank you so much for being here. Again, check out sliceoflifedc.org to learn more. We'll have that link in our show notes for you as well. So you're just a click away.
Thanks for listening. Again, if you want to learn more about the Slice of Life pie sale or food and friends in general, make sure to check out our link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell your favorite Northern Virginia friend? Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.